Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. This is the 253rd one of these. Can you believe it? Every Wednesday, in fact, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many, 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 many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades, increasing decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 253 is Sausage Factory Ruler. Emperor. Emperor I like to say producer and host. That's that's probably better, Uh, but okay. uh, Despot. Despot. Sausage Factory. Yeah, Despot. (laughs) Cruel uh, leader. uh, No, Chris O'Regan. The Sausage Factory, in case you're not aware, listeners of Sound of Play, is it now lives under the Cana Rince Collective umbrella. And uh, it's been going a lot longer than that, and we're uh, we're currently still working on getting every single show from the from the archives uh, up on our service. But uh, but there's still even since you've been with us. How long is it now? It's been a while, hasn't it? Quite a few episodes. 
Yeah. Um, well, I think I have to go back to 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 see how far. But it's, it's like it's almost two years now. I've been with yeah Dana Rince. Although I thought it, it you and I have known each other for far far longer than that. Yes, <laughs> since the the dim and distant days of of podcasting. Your although you you, yeah. uh, you beat me by several years to yeah. the world of internet radio and That's podcasting right. and all that sort of thing. But yeah. yes. Well, I, I think we can both say veterans now. I think I think it's men fair. of a certain age and we've, all that. We've seen things, um, but yes, and also uh, it's been yeah, it's been a good while, almost a couple of years since you last joined us on Sound of Play. So this time uh, you've brought some tracks, perhaps deeper cuts, deeper cuts, um, some interesting, curious selections, but, but, a, but a crossover think, as well between the two shows yes we'll talk about in, that in indeed yeah, yes yeah. i noticed that that's good yeah. and we've also got a handful of selections from the community as well yes. and overall i think we've got an absolutely tremendous playlist for this show mm. most of it's uh, modern but then we've got a couple of older tracks including a very old one at the end which i'm delighted that you've picked i'm not sure i've i don't think i've played it before on the show um, but it is an old favourite of mine, so I look forward to talking to you about that one. Mm. Anyway, we've already had the opening track, of course, and that was from Black Future 88. So uh, tell me about why you picked that one. And yes, if you want to do any crossover chat about your conversations with the super scary snakes people, all good. Yeah. Um, this is a game that celebrates the 1980s uh, in a, a weird alternate way. It's mm. a wonderful game. You only got twenty seconds to complete each level, and oh. if you fail to do that, then you, just, you know, generally a failure. Uh, mm. And uh, but it's a beautiful, extraordinary, colourful, well animated, well crafted experience. And uh, uh, Super Scary Snakes uh, did a wonderful job of constantly massaging it and tweaking it, and it's on all sorts of platforms, and Switch yep. included. And mm -hmm. uh, I. One of the most prominent aspects of of uh, Black Future '88 is the music, the tracks. Yes. This is just but one of many, and mm. uh, in fact, this is one of the 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 uh, earliest titles because previously on episodes of The Sausage Factory, I would just simply throw the music on, but I wouldn't put any credit. It was very ignorant of me on reflection, and and Jay, in his infinite wisdom, said, "Could, could you could you like tell people what these tracks are like?" <laughs> really? Do they care? Apparently, oh, they do. Oh, my friends, they do. And ever since then, where we make them care, we're where <laughs> applicable, uh, where I can, because it's not always you know, it's, there's reasons dependent on the game. Uh, uh, I do actually give full credit, not only credit, not name the tracks on each episode, and yes, also tell people good. where to buy this the soundtrack yes, as well. Indeed, such as this one, which is available on Bandcamp. I mm, mm. So, um, yeah. This is this is the thing, and uh, I highly recommend it. It's not for everyone. Then again, all games are that. Not for everyone, right? Because it's a medium. No. So come on. Exactly. Stop it. It's art. It's, it's entertainment. Art. Yeah. Nobody yeah. likes everything. No. Nothing is perfect. You know. Nothing is universal. Although I have uh, an yeah. interesting relationship with sort of fighting games, for example. I like playing mm. them. I'm profoundly bad at them. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> We're all, yeah, and we all have different skills in different areas as well. Um yeah, I think I've heard most about Black Future 88 from uh, one of the cretins on the uh, on our Idiot Rival podcast, uh, the computer game show. I think Sean Bell um, played some of that, but, uh, you know. Yes, I do remember there were some shenanigans involving yes. this game too, when the, those, those um, 
reprobates. Oafs. Oafs. Um started to list their game of the Oh, that's right. I'm not yeah, I think it was a, yeah. a late entry, I think it was. Very yeah. late entry, and they had mm. a bit of a voting scan. I don't care. Don't care. Why, <laughs> why are we even giving this air time? Let's move on. <laughs> Former guests of this show. <laughs> uh, hello, fellows. Um, yeah, and uh, so that was our opening track, and what a cracker. We've got plenty more where that came from, starting with Marco from the forum. Who says, I've been playing through Borderlands 3, a game that I was not expecting many surprises from, but one that has managed to throw a few unexpected moments my way. It's fair to say when this particular boss fight began, I was not prepared to hear this piece of music. To me, it felt very much like I should be cruising in Outrun, not dodging and blasting away at the things flying around me. The juxtaposition made me laugh more than anything else in the game so far and had me smiling long after the battle was done. NB not representative of other in-game music. This is Supernova Dreamsicle by the character Digby Vermouth.
actually the work of composers Julian Peterson and Raisin Varner from Borderlands 3, last year's third entry into the series, which I would say hasn't made as much of a splash as previous entries, partly because of uh, some of the ill feeling towards the company and its uh, figurehead, Randy Pitchford. But I know among the team, at least one person has played some Borderlands 3, and that's our Darren. He said he's been enjoying it. It's more Borderlands. Uh, have you dabbled in Borderlands in the past, Chris? Um, Indeed. I'm a big fan of uh, loot em, loot and shoot, shooter looters and ever since Diablo, <laughs> which, you know, but that's a whole yeah. conversation. Or is it? Maybe. I don't know. It's not really the, the forum to talk about such things. But, uh, no, uh, shooter looters. Uh, I did play the first one. I played mm. the, didn't play the first one on 360 because it's that old. Uh, yep. Then the second one was on PC. And then I all got very confused about there was then a prequel. I, I don't know. Oh, yes, the pre-sequel. The pre-sequel. Mm. 1.5. 1.5. And then I yeah. got... And then 3 arrived, and I got it for a, a knockdown price during the, yep. the, uh, for the Epic uh, um, Game Store, I believe. So oh, yeah. I still don't have one on the PC, the first mm-hmm. one. I'm thinking of picking it up, but I'm trying to find the best place to find it because there's yes. just so many platforms. Well, there are. It's uh, yes. If if you have the platforms, as as we do, it's uh, there's the whole rigmarole of considerations that goes into every single game purchase about infrastructures, controllers, um, friends lists, you know, whatever else, graphics and, and trophies, achievements, all the all the many different things that might make you think I should get this on that platform. And obviously, sometimes you end up with multiple copies across multiple platforms especially if you subscribe to games with gold or ps plus or you get freebies through epic or humble or whatever else it's very easy i find to end up with multiple copies of games that you've never paid for and never even played uh but you know what a nice problem to have <laughs> yeah i mean there's every every so often i have to go through all the platforms own uh that do this there's epic yeah. Medic game store every week every thursday you log on and go oh they've given that away i'll have that yeah. uh but they did give away Civ six of <laughs> yeah well it happens it happens Indeed. i was uh, i actually i paid for civ 6 on the switch and now i have a pc copy which was free as well so you know again all very happy with that and then and, twitch um, does it as well every month yes just amazon go, prime yeah, yeah it's just and uh in fact that game i streamed last sunday the time of recording this show mm. i actually uh streamed the uh, gato roboto which was a free game <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Indeed. but uh, it's just it's crazy what a time to be alive leon it is insane uh because chris and i both go back to gaming to the earliest days chris even slightly further than me mm. um but yeah you used to have to as a child you used to have to of course set aside large percentages of your money to buy and play computer games if you weren't a dirty nasty playground pirate um <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's still i still find it quite bizarre that i'm just having all these amazing games kind of flung at me from all corners just yesterday i added a, a, a venerable rts to my library thanks to good old games uh total annihilation they're giving away this week you know, it's a game that i've heard about never played and now it's part of my kind of big historical library of interesting games and uh i i, I embrace it even if it you know even if it does make the old backlog the pile of shame whatever you want to call it rather daunting yes to say the least indeed i, I actually <laughs> bought a copy of magic carpet um 
Yeah. Which I do own the original copy of, and I do have a machine that can run it, and I was running it on that machine. Mm. But I was going, oh, I'd like to stream this. I had the choice between just having the effort <laughs> of streaming the VGA, oh, yeah. and I can do it, I can do it, but it, mm. it requires a lot of cables. And I thought, well, yeah. wouldn't it be just easier if I just bought it on Gold and streamed it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be, that'd be easier. So I decided to do that. It's still the same game, still the same bonkers, bonkers game. I played a chunk of Magic Carpet on the PS1, which was it was a reasonable port. Obviously, it was a bit of a downgrade from the you know the PC version, but I didn't have a fancy PC at that point. Uh, but I had the same issue with that game as many Bullfrog games, which was that I really liked it for a while, but then kind of it was the same thing over and over again, level after level, I felt. But uh, maybe... Maybe I should have stuck with it longer. It's just one of those that the, the Bullfrog are very good at, they were very good at making those games <laughs> that were, you know, they, they had this idea and then all they could do to make it, they just made every, they just increased the complexity or the the, the, yeah. the stuff at you, but it doesn't necessarily mm. make it more difficult or entertaining. They just made it more overwhelming. That's not necessarily, mm. you know, and that was my, <laughs> that was my thing with Dungeon Keeper, for example. <gasps> Sorry, everyone, but generally towards the end, it got a bit, the spinning plates now, isn't it? No. Mm. Anyway. That's a lot of games, I suppose, spinning plates. <laughs> anyway, next selection, Chris. Mm. Uh, this is another game that you ha- where you have uh, spoken to the developers. Yes. And uh, this is a fascinating piece of music because this is by a Romanian hip-hop yeah. band yeah. from Bucharest. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Very cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, Qu- quite, quite, a, quite a piece, this one. Mm. Um, Jay was especially fan. He he lost his lost it a bit. He said, "What is this? What is mm. this?" The well, it's it's this. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. So yeah, uh, the act is sub sub Carpati. Excuse my Romanian. We it's not a language we've often had to wrangle with on uh, on sound of play. But yeah, um, they've been around for 10 years and they've released six albums, I think. So uh, if you like this piece, investigate their works. But this is from the game uh, Yaga and it's Daku Aku.
of the game is by Breadcrumbs Interactive. Yep. More fine guests of Chris O'Regan's Sausage Factory. Yeah, episode 255. Very good. Almost like, you know, binary. Not, not yeah. quite 256. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good tunes. It's a very good game, by the way. It's on, the, on Apple Arcade and other platforms. It's bonkers. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. I've actually I've resisted subscribing to that just because there has to be a limit somewhere. <laughs> you have to draw the line at some point. But yeah. uh, for professional excuses, I actually did. And I yes, do, yes. I do have an Apple TV box as well, which is now mm. an arcade machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, right. Next up, we have a delightful piece from a game that came out last year that I'm not familiar with, but it's one of the, this is one of those pieces of music, very much like the pieces that uh, Chris has selected so far, that have actually inspired me to learn more of the game. So Rob25x from the Cana Rinse Forum says, a beautiful piece from one of the most beautiful looking games of 2019, Degrees of Separation. And yeah, this is called Reflected Light.
Christian Brastein's reflected lights from Moondrops, Degrees of Separation. Not been on your show yet, Chris? No, uh, but I need to investigate more because if this sound, <laughs> this music's anything to go by, mm. um, reminds you a little bit of the visuals and maybe the uh, concept a little bit of uh, A Fold Apart, which is a wonderful game right. that we did feature on the show very recently. Yeah. Canadian outfit that I met many mm. times at various shows. Um, they kind of blur. I don't yeah. know which well, one. Well, I, I imagine, <laughs> yeah, I do often think um, you go through so many uh, indie developers, normally the smaller teams, um, and you know, it's, obviously it's easier to approach them, it's easier to deal with them, uh, and they're more like, you're more likely to not have to go through, uh, you know, kind of AAA studio PR and all that kind of thing. So it's very personal and, and down to earth and grassroots and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, you must meet so many of them because you you do pretty much all the expos and shows except this year. Well, you've still done them, but they haven't existed. So um, it must like I know from my experience that yeah, these things can it it can all start to yeah kind of blur together and you forget who you met where and who works on what and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so Moondrop the studio, I don't actually know where um where they're based. But um, maybe it's time to hunt them down yeah. and add them to the list of workers at your sausage factory. <laughs> <laughs> I shall reach out and try to contact them because, uh, yeah, the, the concept sounds wonderful. And, and the, like I said, the, this soundtrack's exquisite, absolutely exquisite. Now, this one is interesting. So uh, it's a song that was commissioned. So this is a, a Korean pop act or hip hop pop, it's a, pop it's a, act. It's a hybrid. It's between. It's, there's. Four artists involved. Oh, okay, right. Two from uh, Idol, which is a K-pop group, mm-hmm. and um, it was um, Jaya Burns, woman. Uh, I forget her name. Embarrassing, but anyway, Madison Bear, I think it is. Um, mm-hmm. They um, they Riot Games composed this, I think. Well, they don't want to. Learned who actually composed this extraordinary song, but I encountered it. I discovered it at uh, when I was playing Beat Saber for the episode that we did. Oh, okay. Time. I assumed it was that because this was oh, no. written and published for a League of Legends World Championship event in 2018. Indeed, but um, I'm no, I'm not a MOBA fan. I know how to play them. I'm right. just very okay. bad at them, and quite yep, frankly, sure. the uh, community that surrounds those games isn't particularly welcoming. Uh, sorry, everyone, <laughs> uh, but this is a fact. Right. And there had been something yep. Riot Games and also uh, Valve have been fighting for for decades, um, fighting about over for many years. Yeah. Uh, but that aside, uh, I this this tune appeared uh, in uh, within Beat Saber on the PS PS uh, PSVR. Uh, uh, I see. And I thought that's a that's a donking tune. I mean, there's some lyrics I don't understand. Turns out I know why because they're singing in Korean. Yes, but, it's a it's a hybrid of Korean and English, isn't it? Yeah, but, uh, the the song. Yeah, but there's it's not very long, but it is extraordinary. If you haven't watched the video, you've I really the music video because they made this extraordinary music video. Yeah, animated yeah, video, fully animated, yeah. and uh, there's aspects and uh, to the, it's a remarkably complex song. There are mm. layers to it. There's mm. even a bridge, and actually, I would impress the listener before we uh, this listen very closely after the bridge. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you'll hear something quite extraordinary, and it's muffled. I think the production of it isn't done that particularly well at this point, uh, and it's a bit. We'll talk about it after you listen to it. 
But uh, yeah, so this is uh, Pop Stars by KDA. KDA standing for uh, Kill Death Assists, which is a stat that, uh, that League of Legend uh, um, esports players use to determine their, their uh, competency. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. the song by kda from league of legends world championship 2018 yeah of course the game goes back uh, almost a decade before that Indeed, as well does, yeah the, the part so, i was waxing lyrical yeah. about mm-hmm. uh if you listen very closely one of the singers i think it's dora burns she's freestyling she's not mm. actually singing well she's not singing any lyrics she's just she goes off and scatting scatting almost, almost yeah it's amazing. It's one. It's just she's what a voice. Uh, so yeah, 
just um, that that's what uh, so if you by all means have another listen but yeah mm. if you weren't sort of, you know at least nodding a little bit and mm. while listening to that uh, I'd be very surprised yeah cool pick and yes if you if you're lucky enough to have Beat Saber on PSVR and presumably you can play it on the, all the platforms it's on all, all the platforms yeah, it's all, as well, I mean yeah. it's uh, yeah and uh, check out our recent Beat Saber podcast, which uh, on which Chris made his Kane and Rinse regular show debut. I did, I did. Mm. I've done all platform specials, but not a. But yeah, yeah. yeah. there be more to come. Warning you, more synth wave <laughs> coming up, retro styles and atmosphere. And this does uh, well. I'll hand over to Richard from the forum, who says, "Here's one more hyper nostalgic piece before I return to the present." At first blush, stories untold might seem like some sort of Stranger Things ripoff. However, after the opening credits scroll, which I had to check to make sure wasn't the actual theme from Stranger Things, what I found was one of the weirdest, wildest and ultimately disturbing puzzle games I've played in quite some time, which is saying something considering I just wrapped up The Return of the Obra Dinn. The gameplay is unusual and varied and the sound effects and music are both top notch. I highly recommend this game and its synth-heavy OST. This is Stories Untold.
Omar Khan is the artist behind Stories Untold. The game is by No Code. It's from a few years ago. So many games that I haven't been able to find any time or space for in my life. But uh, yeah, that's another one where I heard the music and thought I'd be interested in that. Now we have another game that was covered on Chris's Sausage Factory. Some more people that you've met from the world of video game creation are Cuddle Monster Games. They've always got cute names, these developers, or or funny or quirky. Yeah, yeah. And the game itself has a has a cute, funny, quirky name in this case as well. This is Hell is Other Demons, another sort of multi-platform title, as things tend to be these days. Tell us a bit more about the game and the music. Sure. Um, Hell is Other Demons is a game I discovered at PAX East last year in a little booth tucked away that uh, no one was going to, which is a shame because if you sat down, you'd be experiencing one of the most entertaining action arcade platformers you've ever had experience. Yeah. Beautiful game with very little colour. The palette is probably four colours. Uh, but the animation and fluidity and just the hectic nature of what's going on the screen, because you can do that now. It's one of the joys of seeing these pixel games. Like people going, oh, it looks like a 16-bit game. And you look, actually, no, no 16-bit computer could ever do what you're seeing on there. And like you know, Dead Cells and things like this. It's mm. The animations and the fluidity and the colours. No way you could do it. And this is a just ridiculous game where you are a demon attacking other demons for reasons that aren't really interesting. But what is interesting is the the immediacy of the gameplay, the fluidity of the experience, and also the immediacy of the controls and how easy it is to get involved. And you latch onto a tactic, you think, oh, this is it, I've got this, this is easy. And then the game sort of makes a double take and makes you do, oh, you know, this thing I've been doing for the past 20 minutes doesn't work anymore, and I've got to do something else. Keeps it interesting, uh-huh. keeps it vibrant. Uh, wonderful, wonderful game. I did interview the developers in episode 259. Back in the archives for that. Um, and that you mentioned the, the the name of the developers. One of the things that, again, uh, we've, we've inserted into the show now is I always ask the developer where the name <laughs> comes from. And, uh, it's to what, sate Jay, Editor Jay's curiosity. Yeah, yeah. He did make a mention of that. I thought, okay, it's a good idea. And sometimes some of the answers are very revealing, and some of them are like, I don't know, it's just in the back of a fag packet. Yeah, it's just the first thing we thought of. <laughs> first thing we thought of. It's all, we, it's all we could get was a common one. But sometimes, sometimes, it's actually quite revealing. Um, and that was whether really worthwhile. But yeah, this is a good track. And the music in it, I've got to, yes, it really keeps you going. Really, really keeps you going. And it matches the tempo and experience of the game mm. so, so well.
Algorithm is the name of the act or the artist, and Ruins was the track, one of many, from Hell is Other Demons. It was on the Congregate label. They used to be, or are they still, uh, browser-based kind of web games originally? They, they kind of spread out into actual publishing? I'm not sure. I don't know, actually. I guess so. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I, mean, I think it was one of those sites, or, or a lot of their early games were congregate games were on you know the the sort of flash browser based stuff i don't know how kind of popular or prevalent that stuff still is obviously there have been some quite notable games that started in that way like frog fractions and super meat boy and various others but um i don't know if it's still i maybe it's because now things like unity are so ubiquitous that you're developing for platforms rather than browsers i'm i'm clutching at you know semi semi known knowledge here mm. um that would make sense perhaps yeah now uh we're leaping backwards in time somewhat to brace you for the final track because we've got a bit of 8-bit to finish with but here we're going back to the ps2 era with a, a game again that uh, that i've not personally played but it is on our very big long list of well over two thousand titles that of games that we would like to cover or, or, or listeners have, have asked us that we should cover some days. Uh, someday it's a kind of cult classic, I think you'd say, Shadow of Memories. Yes. Yeah, Konami's yeah. Uh, mystery thriller, I suppose. I, I think it was one of those games that at the time didn't receive sort of overwhelmingly positive reviews from the mainstream press because it was a little avant-garde or it wasn't perhaps what the, you know, what the zeitgeist was about at that particular point, but it seems to have gone down with fans as as something of a you know a beloved title obviously dingle dongle from the forum is one of those uh, and he or she says shadow memories is what i think of when i hear the phrase hidden gems capital h capital g the game focuses on reverting your murder it's one of the few games where your ending matters only giving you an answer to one of the questions it brings up the soundtrack, for the most part, holds a sense of foreboding, with your apparent death lurking behind every decision, with some jazzier songs for some of the buildings, with the song I've selected being one of them. Yeah, this is a slightly sleazy, but kind of laid-back and mellow pub kind of sounding track, or yeah, lounge bar more than pub. This is just simply called Bar 2.
that was Bar 2 by one or more of Norikazu Mura, Hana Hashikawa, and or Sayaka Yamaoka from Shadow of Memories. Yeah, and the thing about the PlayStation 2 is because it sold phenomenally well. Yes, still the number one console, I think. think is it so. ahead of the Wii? Yeah. It's, it's either the Wii or the PS2, yeah. but they both did insane numbers. And they could, I think it's PS2. They could release games like There was a lot of games out there like oh, yeah. this that were very high risk <laughs> but mm. they had they felt they had enough of a platform of an audience that there would be a return on it uh, yeah that's right it, it was i mean less uh, less niche and high risk in its native japan but as a a release there, there are always for every single platform even the most popular there are always dozens of games that come out in japan that we never see over here including uh, you know traditionally a lot of yeah, visual novels and mysteries and things like that. But occasionally, I think I think now we're seeing more of those released and getting localized. But back then, it was yeah, it was less common. But as exactly as you say, the the user base, the install base in US and Europe was so large that they just thought, well, you know, how much would a translation cost and a localization compared to how much we might get a return on uh, on this game? So. Don't know if it was actually profitable. No, but, uh, I mean, who I, knows? I do have a copy of this, but it's one of those ones I bought to be very cheap at the time. And yeah, it's, it's, it's in the library. It's in the library, but by vast, yeah. ridiculous library. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, one day it might get dug out well, if we ever make a show on it. Yeah, I'll uh, yeah. I'll give you the shout on the shoulder. Good to know. Yeah, so before we talk about the final track, uh, thanks, Chris, for joining us That's on right. the Sound of Play. It's been, a, been a while. The Thanks for all your work on the Sausage Factory, listener. Um, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than obviously we've plugged it multiple times in this show. But if you do like Sound of Play and you like what we do on Cane and Rinse generally, there's another opportunity to engage with a different facet. It's something we don't do in the other shows. In other shows, we review, we talk about music. But what Chris does is he actually has the developers on. We have we've done a few standalone interviews and stuff before but this is a weekly affair almost always every, every week and yeah there's a big old back catalogue of interesting chats with yeah talented folks making the games that we play yeah just lifting the hood up and going oh look look at that why have you and i asked the questions that not all normally asked i'm happy to say i actually don't mm. say how, you know, what, how many levels has this got? How, what's the amount of game? No, no. I asked, they, I describe a facet of the game and I go, how did that come about? Why did you do that? Mm. Why did you, you know, yes. That, that's basically. Design decisions are questioned. Yeah. Yes. Design decisions. Very politely, yeah. but sometimes but sometimes with pointed. Yeah. <laughs> with a, with, like, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Where did this come from? And uh, yeah. they always respond in kind and they, they're, they're, yeah. they're definitely. Most, that all guests, I think, uh, afterwards they will say, you know, it's a cathartic experience looking back on the work they've done. Because well, that's it. Yeah, that anyone who's anyone who creates anything like they're usually their their own biggest critics. They're and they're they're usually the the least satisfied with what they've made in some ways. Like it, it it's that odd thing that you can be very proud of something as I am of Cane and Rince, but whenever I listen back to it, I, all I notice are my mistakes. And the things that we could have done better, and I and I suspect as a game creator, 
while you must absolutely and deservedly be proud to get any game out there, because as another thing that you always say on a sausage factory is it's really hard to make a game, especially when you're starting with and from nothing. Yes. And to actually get it, obviously there is more, there is more of a democratization of talent now and unity and the different platforms enable people to get games out there. It's almost gone back to the bedroom coding days of, of yore in some ways, but to actually make a game that gets attention in the incredible, incredibly busy landscape, commercially driven landscape of games is is such a such a thing to do. But actually, I think to to ask a developer a question about why they made a certain design choice, even if even if it is apparent that you're actually saying, I don't know if I'd have gone with that myself, and they can actually say, here's why we did it, here's how it happened. Uh, I understand that sometimes there are frustrations with the game that I've made and perhaps I'd have done it differently and perhaps next, perhaps the sequel might go a different route. But that's almost really, I think it's more interesting than just sort of soaping down the developer and telling them, you know, definitely some of that is worthwhile. But I think also the fact that you, you know, dig a little deeper into their design design decisions is, is something that makes it uh, different to a lot of, yeah, developer interview shows. Yeah, it's just as the, the name of the show should explain itself. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm. Some people we get, what is, what is this show's not about sausages? There's no, no sausages. No sausages nope. involved in the making. Meat or otherwise. Meat or otherwise. However, uh, <laughs> this is a, a phrase that I picked up on many, many years ago when I was at a presentation at BAFTA when they used to do game stuff. Shows anyway. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I forgot this. They can that. Yeah. Which was odd because it felt like when they first started doing it in the mid '90s, it felt like they were very much pushing the frontiers back and, and ahead of their time. Yeah. But now to go back on that and stop doing it, yeah. I, I suppose I'm assuming they feel that there are more than enough other sort of industry-specific avenues. But I don't know. There was something the, ba- the BAFTA stuff. There was. There was something good about that. Yeah, the they still do the was, awards. That's lovely. But other than that... There's no shindig. There's no thing anymore. That was a shame. But anyway, I went to... <laughs> and it was uh, and it was mentioned. It was used as a phrase. Oh, I've never heard that before. And looked into it. I thought, what? And then it sort of stuck in my mind over the years. And then the show, back in 2013, Factory came into being. And uh, and I've been doing it ever since. It's been... Yeah. Um, there it is. Hmm. It always makes me think of the uh, former Tottenham, Newcastle, Marseille and England winger Chris Waddle because that's the fact about him that they always wheel out when using him on the media, which is that he used to work in a sausage factory before he was a professional footballer. <laughs> now, track nine. Mm. This is a uh, uh, talking about pushing the envelope. Um, this piece of music, I don't know if it actually was the first, but it was described as such. I think this is from the Lucasfilm book. I expect you've got a copy of it. I know I have. Mm. Uh, one particularly notable aspect of Ballblazer is the music. It uses a, quotes fractal music system that varied the main tune such that it never repeats. It responds to gameplay and gives important cues about game events and interest industry first. Um, yeah, so the that's talking about the jingles in the game. What we're going to hear is what's called the Song of the Grid, the original Atari 8-bit version. It was coded by Peter Langston. Now, I used to let this run. So I had an 8-bit Atari. That was my machine. Uh, I loved it. 
despite its flaws and lack of software and ridiculous loading times and all that kind of thing. But one thing that was that made it like worth having was the fact that Lucasfilm Games were making their games for the Atari first and foremost. And Ballblazer was one of the games I got on my first Christmas of owning a computer. And yeah, I, as well as getting really darn good at Ballblazer, I also just used to let this piece of music just roll on the title screen because, yeah, it never repeated. Marvellous game, but the tune as well. And uh, unlike uh, Leon, my history with the Atari 8-bits is uh, relatively recent uh, because back in the day it was regarded as the fifth platform that no one owned because it was yep. too expensive and there mm-hmm. aren't any games for it anyway. That's not true, the last bit, but generally it wasn't the mighty trio. It wasn't one of the mighty trio. No, it was not. Commodore 64, Amstrad, and Spectrum. And because mm-hmm. of that, uh, people generally ignored it, which is a folly. Absolute folly, I now know. Because I've played many games on it very recently. I actually streamed one for Genuine Streams. To do on Sunday. Oh, yeah, Blue Max. Blue Max, which I had the original floppy disk for, and it still worked. <laughs> I also got the sequel to that for this same Christmas I'm talking about, 1985, Blue Max 2001. Mm, must have been a little bit like the <laughs> Zaxxon, really. But anyway, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Pointed the other way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this this game and but this tune really, I think does a lot to demonstrate the capabilities of the Atari sound chip, which in my view actually rivaled that of Sid chip on C sixty four. Yeah, in the right hands. Yeah, it was it was very much uh, a good good comparison. It was the piece I chose very early on in Sound of Play was Rob Hubbard's theme to Warhawk, right? Which was uh, not particularly special uh, at all budget vertically scrolling shoot 'em up but the rob hubbard obviously absolutely legendary for his work on the on the commodore 64 and i think it was probably recoded although it's credited to rob hubbard i think somebody else coded the uh the chip music for the atari but it's like it, it sounds slightly different to the commodore 64 it, it's it's got a it's definitely a variation but uh, but I think yeah for me it's it's every bit as you know punchy and uh, yeah bit, perhaps a bit more top and bottom where the Commodore sixty four has a bit more middle something like that yeah but nonetheless it uh, out of the uh, I'm going to say four machines now not, not you know of the of the eighties it was a significantly important platform don't forget the MSX and yes lest we forget the MSX so okay the <laughs> five um, it it de- it definitely could um, dragon. Punch. Oh, BBC. please. Yeah, no. BBC, really? <laughs> I've seen games in the beat. No. Yeah, Elite, I'll give you revs, maybe. Until we did get distracted. <laughs> this was always going to happen. This is always going to happen. It's bound to between you and I. But uh, no, I just wanted to share this particular tune with others because it needs mm. attention. And I hope people Amazing like pick. It. Yeah. One thing I did want to say so this is an upload of the NTSC version. My version was PAL and that it was one of those where there was zero optimization. So actually the the version I'm used to is about 16% more mellow <laughs> than this version. Jasmic. So it was a bit more jasmixy, yeah. yeah. So it uh, perhaps didn't fit the, the super fast uh, future sport first person perspective uh, checkerboard mayhem of, of Ballblazer as well. But then I guess that was also running. A little bit slower too so anyway yes so this is just one selection so wh- whoever uploaded this for us i say for us for themselves um that we're stealing it from this is a section of this music but it was never repeated 
it was never heard before and it was never heard again. Uh, this is just a section, presumably, of that procedurally generated music. And uh, it was, yeah, it was different every time. Imagine that. Right. So thanks again, Chris. Thank you. And uh, listener, we'll leave you with the Song of the Grid and we'll see you next time on Sound of Play. Sound of Play.